Blog Talk Radio. Casting live for the MLE Arena home of the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning for one I'm at the game right now, one nothing Tampa Bay Tower Giants scores eighth goal of the season. Andre Babaleski milestone guy, the three hundredth NHL game. I'd like to introduce our, our host as always from 
New Jersey Shore slash Sarasota, Mr. Don Henderson from Hotland, Mr. Roger Henner from here in Tampa Bay, Mr. Roy Cummings and Frank Carroll producing this show. Roy, I caught the show Monday night between you and Mr. Coffin. It was, it was classic, classic doing hours as always. <laughs> <laughs> well, appreciate you taking a look at that, Tommy. Uh, yes, classic. every uh, Monday on uh, Bay News 9, about, what, 9.30, somewhere in that 9 o'clock, 9.30, 10 o'clock hour, we... Uh, they let us uh, debate a topic or two, so uh, we appreciate that. <laughs> we enjoy doing it. It was classic. Hey, we should, we should get Ira and talk about the same thing. He's been, hey, we have talked about that on there, Tommy. That that story has been told on that uh, on Bay News <laughs> 9 Air. We have told that story. Oh, no. Uh, I'm oh, not no. making that up. Uh, we, uh, we've had some fun with that one before, so we, uh, we, yeah, we, we've enjoyed ourselves on that show, and uh, – Gotten, we've gotten into that a little bit as well. Oh, God. I still remember that day, right? <laughs> what do we do with that here? And I said, Roy, it took 50 yards off my drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I say, Tommy and Roy, we're sort of all in the dark on that. I don't know exactly what you're talking about, so maybe you Uh-oh. give a thumbnail sketch of what you two guys right. are talking about. Are All right, I'll start, Roy. <laughs> Ira Coffin and I are uh, are teeing off at the uh, tenth hole at uh, Tampa Bay Golf and Country Club uh, in in uh, just north of Tampa here, and uh, one day, and um, just as Ira is getting ready to tee up, he's focused in. He's actually hitting the ball pretty well on this day, uh, which is uh, quite an achievement in itself. And he was really locked in on this on this particular drive over uh, a very small little creek right in front of the uh, tee box. Well, I was focused in, and I could just see the sand crane kind of angling up, you know, right in front of his, uh, his path of, uh, you know, where his ball would go as he's getting ready to, to swing. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, if he hits this the way a pro would hit it, he's going to nail this sand crane. And uh, But I'm thinking – but it's Ira. There's no way in the world he's likely to hit it. You know, you know, 45 degrees left, 28 degrees right. No, no way in the world he's gonna hit it straight down the middle. Well, Ira hit it straight down the middle, and he knocks this. He hit the sand crane right in the neck, knocks the poor sand crane's head out. Head. I mean, just it it just it hit the sand crane. I mean, just it broke the poor thing's neck. I I, I hate to be crude, but I mean these are the facts and. Uh, and of course, and 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 Ira's watching the ball, and he realizes something happened. He goes, well, "What happened? To, what happened to my ball? What, what happened?" And uh, because he hit the heck out of it, and all of a sudden it just like you know, it hit something, and it started slowing down. It didn't have the drive that it should have had. And uh, I said, "Ira, you, you hit the sand crane." So we run over to the sand crane, and you know, the poor thing is uh, you know clearly suffering, and. Uh, now other sand cranes are starting to come around. They can see that the, their sand crane, their friend sand crane, is in distress, and you know they're squawking. And uh, you know we, we asked the, there's a guy over there at the, you know, just uh, giving a lesson over at the driving range, which is right uh, nearby. And I'm yelling to the guy, hey, we got a sand crane hurt. And he's kind of like, yeah, it happens all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so uh, you know, long story short, we we tried to nurse the sand crane as best we could, but unfortunately, it was clear that. The other sand cranes were going to attack us if we continued, so we just got in our cart and went. And Ira yeah. got out to his ball, which was about 150 yards out down the fairway, and uh, should have been a good, probably, you know, 200. And Ira got to his ball, and he goes, uh, hey, "Cummings, uh, 
that was a pretty damn good shot I hit there. I said, yeah. He goes, and that's that sand crane. Uh, damn sand crane cost me 50 yards. So uh, <laughs> there's the story. It's it's uh, not necessarily special, but uh, sometimes these things happen out on the golf course, gentlemen. Well, well, when you two guys got you know, together for the draft, what was the what was the outcome of your draft? And what did you think of uh, what happened and and what's going to happen in the draft? Uh, the, the the NFL draft? Yeah, I'm assuming that's what you were together doing a show for, right? The draft. Oh well, we we do a show every Monday. We we do a segment every Monday on a local uh, news station. Um, and, and yes, this week's uh, topic was the draft. Uh, uh, one of, I think one of the questions was, you know, what did we, uh, you know, what what grade did we give the Buccaneers? And uh, I gave them an A, guys. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I like what they did with the first three picks in particular. Uh, I'm not really concerned that much about what they did from uh, picks four through seven uh, because I don't know if those guys will ever make it. Uh, if they do, that would be great. But um, to me, I, I think they addressed three areas of need looking forward uh, with quality players. Uh, with their first three picks, when you get Joe Tryon, a, a potential defensive end uh, uh, that can, you know, he certainly looks the part. Uh, with your first pick, you, you pick up a quarterback that you develop uh, that you like a lot. Um, with the second pick, I don't have a problem with that. And then you get a, a guy like Robert Hainsey, who was a captain at Notre Dame. Uh, he can play anywhere, almost on the line. I mean, they, I think they see him as a guard right now, but it's possible he could move him to center. He could play tackle. So. A lot of uh, places he could go. I just think those first three picks for the Buccaneers were uh, were really on the mark uh, for a team picking 32nd overall. I think it worked out really well for them. Roger? Well, uh, the, what did you think of uh, some of the uh, uh, picks overall, Roy, uh, especially in the uh, first round? Uh, any uh, one that really uh, stood out? The one that uh, I never thought the uh, – quarterback from Alabama would last as long as he did to go at number 15 to uh, New England. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, I thought that was a good pick by New England, but to me, the best pick of the draft uh, was Atlanta getting Kyle Pitts. Look, I, I think after yeah. Lawrence, I thought, I think he's the best player in the draft, and uh, I think he's going to be a an absolutely dynamic talent. Um, he's going to be able to step right in and, and help that football team uh, be a little bit better next year. Um, it's going to help uh, Matt Ryan a little bit uh, for sure. So I really thought that was the best pick of the, uh, in the draft. I Look, I was not a fan of uh, the way uh, the, the quarterbacks came off the board. I knew that's what I was going to be, uh, and, and that's fine. But I just think that, and we talked about it this a week ago, guys, I think teams are, are, are reaching for quarterbacks. I understand their need, but, you know, and look, a lot of people are very happy with what the Bears did. I know in Chicago they're excited um, getting Justin Fields, which is fine. I think he was the second-best quarterback in the draft. I don't have a problem with that. But I don't, I just don't like the fact that they reached and uh, traded up, you know, to, to get him. Uh, to me, it's Trubisky all over again. Um, I think there have been 11, you know, of, of all the quarterbacks, look, two or three, you know, are going to make it. Um, and and maybe even only one is ever going to be the, the player that everybody projects them to be with their first-round pick. And uh, my guess is that it's probably going to be Trevor Lawrence. We'll wait and see what happens. Uh, maybe somebody else uh, develops in time. But unfortunately, uh, the NFL, it's, it's a matter of 
they they really rush you in there, and a lot of times the player isn't ready, and then they get they get ruined, and they give up on them quickly, and um, you know they're they're quick to push them in there, quick to give up on them, see see, see Matt Trubisky, and um, you know, and uh, and quick to move on to the next one, and I think uh, you've got about three four teams doing that already, and uh, so it probably doesn't bode well for them. Well, Roy, a couple of underlining stories. I, I thought, that first of all, uh, when you talk about Aaron Rodgers right before the draft coming out with that unbelievable statement that he didn't want to play in Green Bay any longer, and that sort of brought things up in the air. Uh, looking at uh, what all the gamblers think, uh, all the big-time people, none of, the line, none of the lines changed as far as uh, what their prognostication was for wins and losses for the season. However... Going back to Aaron Rodgers, Denver all of a sudden has become going from 66 to 1 to 16 to 1. Now, whether they have the inside track of some kind of a trade or something to make for Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. But that's the only line that moved in the whole week, and that moved yesterday from 66 to 1 to 6 to 1. And exactly what's going to happen with Rodgers, whether he's going to come together with the Packers and stay or what's going to happen, I don't know. But your assessment is right. The Bears got the best choice uh, as far as uh, the experts think of the draft. The Chargers were second. Uh, The Jets were third. The uh, Panthers were fourth. And uh, uh, the Patriots, uh, and you you just pointed out about how about the way Belichick held off, held off, held Mm -hmm. off. They got all the way down to his pick before he was fortunate enough to get the quarterback he won. Yeah, I think it was a really good move by Bill Belichick. Um, look, his draft record isn't exceptional, that's for sure. Um, but it's not going to be when you're picking 32nd overall at the time, you know, all the time. So uh, you pick him, you get him a pick at, the, in, at number 15, and he, he played it right. Uh, he had a player that he wanted, I think, and um, he knew that uh, that player was going to be there. He waited it out and got the player he was looking for. Uh, right. As for Aaron Rodgers... You know, it, it appears as though I guess he's been he's been telling free agents apparently that he will not be the quarterback in Green Bay, and I think that probably has something to do with why the the Vegas line has suddenly moved for Denver. Um, he doesn't he, he does he's not going to go to L.A. because they have quarterbacks in place. Um, he's not going to go to the Raiders, I don't think, because I don't think that's going to work out for him. But I think Denver is the spot. There's probably going to be a trade here after June first. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he goes there. It appears that Aaron Rodgers is going to try to serve a couple of masters here. I, I think he believes, and, and I don't know that this is the case, uh, looks like he may get a little bit more of an opportunity to host Jeopardy, and I think he wants to really be a part of that. Uh, he wants to be on the West Coast to make that happen or at least allow for it to happen. Um, so it's clear that he's starting to you know, transition into a different career um, and if he thinks that uh, doing that, uh, you know, being on the West Coast is going to help him, well, he's probably not wrong, but uh, I don't know what it's going to do for his football career. But right now, if he's going to go from a Green Bay team that uh, is still, in my opinion, probably the best in, uh, in the NFC Central um, to, a, uh, to, a, to a, a Broncos team that, you know, is, is still rebuilding, I think he's going to have a, a rude awakening there, and he's going to probably be out of football a lot sooner than he would be otherwise. But we'll wait and see. But I think that's where he's headed. I think he's headed to uh, to, to Denver, and apparently it's not much of a secret as uh, the, the 
the guys in uh, Las Vegas are showing. Roger? Yeah, uh, getting back to uh, the New England situation with Mac Jones, the uh, I think I mentioned that uh, Charlie Weiss has been a r- real uh, booster of Mac Jones. I mean, for uh, months that I've heard him on, on NFL radio. I tried to call in today, but uh, uh, evidently he doesn't take calls in the two hours uh, that he's on. And the young lady uh, with him, I'm not familiar with her, except when she co-host but uh, uh, I don't think that uh, she really wants to have phone calls either because she just likes to talk but uh, I wanted to find out if uh, if Charlie uh, talked to Belichick much about Jones because it just uh, it, I think it was just amazing that he fell uh, down to uh, 15 and uh, and I think you're I agree with you uh, Don and and, uh, and Roy I'll tell you, he is a master, and uh, I guess the uh, Patriots will be back in the hunt very shortly. You would think. Um, you know, look, again, I, I like the pick. I, I think, you know, I, the draft, in, in order for it to work for you, you've got to get a little lucky, too. And at 15, you really have to, you know, you kind of have to wait for it to come to you, much like you do at 32. Um, and I think it worked out for him when um, my guess is that the, the couple of things happened. Uh, first of all, I, I think New England had a pretty good read on what everybody else that was looking for a quarterback was going to do. And also had a decent read on the fact that no one ahead of them in the uh, second 10, well, not the second 10, but, but after, after the top five or six would probably go for a quarterback and that they would have that opportunity and that they could get Mac Jones by just sitting tight. Um, I think they they realized uh, that uh, this was an opportunity for them, and um, you know as it came, I'm sure that they were prepared to make a move if they uh, if they felt something was happening. But um, to your uh, point, though, uh, Roger, I think you're right. Uh, my guess is that Charlie Weiss and Bill Belichick were probably in uh, communication about uh, Mac Jones and you know what uh, Charlie thought of him. Uh, I'm sure that the, the Patriots uh, did their due diligence. In fact, I know they did. Um, they don't, uh, you know, look, one thing they've done is pick quarterbacks rather well, obviously going back to Brady, but, um, you know, they've, he's not the last one they picked that, that uh, has worked out. Um, they've had a couple that have worked out pretty well for them and worked out for other teams when they've had to leave. So um, you're right. I, I, my guess is that this is one that, uh, that this is one will work out. And, and you know what, uh, much like the Bucks waiting at, at, and taking their guy at 32, which some might think is early for Kyle Trask, but when you're, Tampa Bay and you're not going to get another pick for another 31 uh, selections, you better take your guy when you get your, the opportunity. But, um, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think New England reached for Mac Jones. In fact, I think they might have got a bit of a steal here. Um, I, I think a couple other teams definitely reached. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, probably, probably not um, – probably not uh, – probably not New England. I don't think they reached. I think they, they got exactly what they were looking for and do what they were getting. I imagine there's all that conversation. I'm going to read it tonight because, well, there's several really two big stories of the National Hockey League. Once again, the Lightning continue to lead by a one and nothing score going into the no. second period. But, uh, no, of course, John, the biggest story centers around the... Go ahead. John checked out 1-1. Dallas is tied up before the end of the first period. So we're 1-1 right now. At the inter- at first intermission right now, so it's been a good hockey game. Okay. I mean, 
playing for their lives right now. But Lightning's got a little bit of a cushion out there. Dallas is four points off the fourth fourth place in in the Nash division, and, and Nashville Predators are four points ahead of Dallas. So Dallas is playing like it's a every game's a playoff. Like they're down 0-3 in a series, so they play every faceoff. It's a very important. They're playing out the guts right now. Well, as I say, maybe there's some conversation down there, Tom. You may know more than Roy and certainly any of us know, but uh, Mr. Davidson is out in New York. Uh, they've completely reorganized the front office of the New York Rangers, and the young wow. lady by the name of Chris, Chris Drury is now the one in charge of the National Hockey League New York Rangers. So uh, she's got wow. quite a track record, and uh, she was uh, named this afternoon. So it should be very, very interesting. The other big story is the uh, National Hockey League coming down and only finding uh, Tim Watson $5,000. Now, I didn't see the play. Maybe, uh, Roy, maybe you've seen it. Uh, Maybe you've seen uh, what transpired there. But the Rangers wrote a letter to the league, the the head of the security, not the security, the head of of, of, uh, penalization, uh, only being fined $5,000. So how about those two stories? Are things going on down in Emily about those two, Tommy, or maybe Roy well, knows they, something they, more they, than they I talked do? About it. They talked about it during the office, in the office today. They talked about it, and they should have, you know, Tom Wilson should have got more. It's an awful, awful hit. It's like it's almost like they hit like Tim Horton got hit by the stick, you know, like the old, like remember Clark, he got hit by a stick by Barry Clemens. And, you know, you don't do that in hockey. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be a gentleman's game and a fast game. And, and the Rangers is going to try it again, get to win a cup again with it, with a whole new, whole new shift up there. But we'll see what happens. You know, John Davidson, all those years to try to get, try to improve the hockey team, this and that. And I felt bad for him because I met John Davidson one day in Orlando. We had an exhibition game over there and at the, at the, whatever you call it now, <laughs> not, not the Orlando Arena, but the other. And if John Davidson asked me, he was, we're playing the Rangers or something like that. He said, hey, Tommy, where, where do you get some water around here? Hold on, John, let me get a water for you and a sandwich up there. We began talking about hockey and that. And, and so I feel bad to see John out of New York because, I mean, that was a good place for him up in New York. But good luck in the new regime and, and for the Rangers right now. Roy? Yeah, you know, the problem I have, one of the biggest problems I have with the Tom Wilson uh, penalty here or the Mm -hmm. punishment, if you can call it that, the slap on the wrist that he got for the melee that he started the other night, is that now this is going to carry over. Now there's no choice, really, but for the Rangers to try to seek some kind of revenge next year against this guy and against Mm -hmm. the Capitals, they're not going to forget um, especially, right. and, you know, the Rangers are going to be a better team. If the league handles this a little bit better and suspends him for, you know, five games or, or whatever, I mean, look, this, this is just – this was unsportsmanlike. All right, that's, mm-hmm. that's the bottom line here. This is a, this, hockey's a tough game, and, and there's a lot of, you know, ways in which guys can, you know, get away with uh, little jabs here and there and things like that, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I mean, every sport has that. You know, but when it's blatant and everybody can see it and yep. uh, and you're doing something that's clearly unsportsmanlike, you know, shoving a guy's head into the ice a few times, basically yes. beating him, you know, using it as mm-hmm. a hammer on the ice, mm-hmm. you gotta, yep. the guy's got to pay for it. It's not like Tom Wilson is, uh, you know, a player who, uh, you know, doesn't have a track record, uh, you know, for, for questionable <laughs> play. The guy plays on the edge. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. He plays over the edge. Oh, He's as physical and tough and uh, – ornery and nasty a player as there is in today's game. He's a throwback to an older age. And, uh, 
you know, yep. I'm sure there's part, part, a lot of fans who appreciate that and like that, and that's fine too. But at the end of the day, I think all you've done mm-hmm. here is you've created drama that's going to, you know, just seep into next season. And, you know, who, mm-hmm. hey, for all we know, maybe that's part of the game plan. Uh, you know, right. look, there is the old adage that, um, you know, anytime they're talking about you, it's good. It's unfortunate that the only time anybody really wants to talk about the NHL is when something like this happens. But yes. uh, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, uh, you know, there could be some in, in the New York offices and even the Toronto offices that says, hey, you know what, people are paying attention at least. Let's uh, keep the narrative going. Let's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. let's reduce the pen- punishment here and let them decide it on the ice next year. That'll make for some fun too. So who knows? But, um, no, it's yeah. clearly a, a slap on the wrist uh, considering, the, the you know, what happened on the ice. And uh, it's going to carry over in the next year, and it's um, it's probably going to be ugly again. And uh, Tom Wilson's going to have to play. He's going to have to target on his back. No question about that. Well, the, that's likely seems to come into the 21st century, just like baseball did with a, a female general manager this year, the first time that's ever happened. And now you see the Rangers uh, with a young lady, and as I say, she's got a tremendous track record coming in, Chris Drury. Uh, you don't think necessarily the National Hockey League uh, you know, leaning toward women to uh, be involved in front office operations, but looks like we're in a new era, boys. There's nothing wrong with that, Don. If they can do the job, more power to them up there. But getting back to Roy, but, said, uh, hey, Don, Roger... Don uh, um, Chris Drury is not a Chris Drury is a former Rangers player. No, not this one. <laughs> this was a woman. Oh, not. All right, I, I, I'm pretty sure you're wrong, but but that's okay. Um, okay, yeah, we'll 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 sit until we see something come out. I just I, I just heard it before well, we won out. the air. Right, it's out. Right, uh, Chris Curry, the, the new the new general ma- president general manager of the Rangers is former Rangers player Chris Drury. Okay, okay, he's, he's, that's right. He's he's a former player and uh, he's uh, but okay. So I'm not, I'm not sure where the confusion okay. came from. Here there. we go. Christopher Ellis Drury is an American professional ice hockey executive and former player. He serves as the president and manager of the New York Rangers and general manager of their American Hockey League affiliate, the Hartford. There you go. You got the clarification. (laughs) Good enough. I'm glad we got. I'm glad we got that corrected. I thought. I thought I had. I thought I had heard that there was it was a female, but I'm, I'm uh, glad you guys corrected that. I'll tell you what. He also pitched the USA to a if the Rangers World had done something like that. There, there are definitely some uh, females out there throughout the league right now that uh, I think uh, are ready to step up and be a bigger part of uh, coaching coaching uh, uh, staffs and things like that. Um, but if the Rangers had had done. Uh, well, that that would be a big step. That would be a massive step for the NHL to have a female general manager, uh, on the, as you say, on the heels of uh, Miami. But, um, you know, hey, I don't think we're too far away from that happening. Um, let's face it, uh, the women's hockey programs in the United States and Canada both, for sure, are um, top-level programs, and there's a lot of, uh, of top-level people running both of them. So uh, we may not be far off from that, uh, Don. Well, we're hey, right there we because no we got to make we got to make a move. Uh, it's uh, our time is up. Uh, once again, Roy, we jumped around on a number of different things. Glad you cleared that up for us. 
And uh, thank you very, very much, as always. My pleasure, as always, guys. Thank Roy, you. Have we'll a, do it again next week. Have a good week, Greg. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Okay, we switched down to uh, a baseball front because Bill Matthews is going to be with us. And uh, every time we talk to Bill, we talk about so many different things, rule changes, meetings that they've had, baseball in general. So, Bill, uh, uh, you pick it up. Whatever whatever topic is on your mind at the moment, whether it's the raise, whether it's the raise, official scoring, coaching, you name it, go to it. Well, I, I appreciate you guys having me. You always had me on Roy's heels, man. He's a tough act to follow. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I want to follow somebody who doesn't know anything about sports once in a while. <laughs> um, oh, okay, Tommy, it's Johnny your turn. Say... <laughs> <laughs> things there are, you go, uh, things Bill. are different now. Okay. Yes, that was a good lead-in. Uh, things are different now. Everybody's back in the ballpark doing the official scoring. Um, it's really interesting now that if a play gets turned in, we have a five-player, ex-player, panel of ex-big leaguers who make the determination on whether or not the play gets overturned or not. Uh, so that, that adds a whole different flair to the way it used to be with just, you know, one or two guys making the decision. When I first started, it was Frank Robinson, and then it turned to Joe Torrey, then it was Joe Garagiola Jr., and now it's a five-player panel. So... It's pretty interesting um, to get the player perspective versus the scorer's perspective in terms of how plays are defined. So that's kind of a cool change. Um, being back in the ballpark is awesome. Um, in, in my case, you know, you can actually see the ball off the bat. You can see what happens when it gets lost in the, in the roof. Um, you can smell the turf as, as opposed to the grass. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really, it's, it's really nice to be back in the ballpark. It really, really is. So much easier to score a game that you can see. Bill, a myriad of, yeah, of uh, problems this last week. Um, when a, a runner runs directly to a bag and gets called out, when a pitcher throws a ball to hit somebody and doesn't get get put out, but uh, when somebody says something uh, rounding a base and they uh, both dugouts come out and uh, get in a fight. Um, what what's the cause of all this? Is it just the improper uh, teaching of the um, education for the the um, umpires, or what? Well, I think it's improper education of the players as to what's appropriate in the unwritten rule book and what's inappropriate in the unwritten rule book. I also mm-hmm. think that some players now think um, it, it's it's an interesting generation. They're not aware of what is. Um, What's, what, what, what's appropriate in terms of the group because they're so concerned about how they look. They're really tied up in their own personal image with the, with the fans. And, um, I, you know, I, I don't think we can blame it on the umpires. I mean, the umpires are just, they're the victims of circumstance. They're the victims of the, they're the people who are stuck on the field trying to maintain peace. And when, when dugouts empty in baseball, it's not like a hockey fight, you know, where guys are throwing punches or guys wearing masks. In baseball, it's just guys kind of holding on, okay, I'll hold on to you, you hold on to me, let's dance for a little bit. It'll all stop in a couple of minutes and we'll be fine. So it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting time in baseball. It's, um, it's a player-directed, player-run, player-operated game right now. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing. 
But, you know, you hear a lot about the unwritten rules, and somebody talked to me this week earlier about unwritten rules. And sure, there's unwritten rules, but at the same time, um, baseball's baseball. It's still going to be territorial, and I think that's the main thing. You know, if you're going to make me look bad, then I'm going to do something that's going to kind of try to tip the scales back in, in my favor. So, I don't know, it's, it's kind of chauvinistic, and it's kind of old school, but I guess that's the flavor of baseball right now. Mm-hmm. Bill, Roger. I, I wanted to follow up on uh, that with the uh, about the umpires. Uh, there was a call the other day in the Phillies game where uh, the umpire said that the uh, runner, I think it was uh, McCutcheon, uh, it was McCutcheon, went out of the baseline, and he was not. He was right on line going to right. the base. And uh, you may have seen this. And uh, I just uh, I question a number of things, uh, the inconsistency of the strike zone, which we've had probably since I was born or before. But <laughs> sure. it's, it's stuff like that with the baseline that the umpires take a lot of criticism, and rightly so, because it, it, was, it was wrong. And then the other thing about the, uh, the pl- players coming out on the field, going after each other, thank God nobody was hurt. But, sure. you know, when uh, that, wild, that kid that uh, was uh, uh, hit uh, – uh, Bryce Harper in the face and then hit the Gregorius right after him. Uh, you know, I, the guy should have been thrown out. Okay. Well, yeah, okay. I don't think, I don't, I don't think that was intentional. I think he just had uh, maybe a little bit of the yips. Maybe he just wasn't feeling the fastball. I don't think that was intentional. I think what the furor was caused by was the fact that you have to face the three batter minimum so the third yeah. guy, the guy on deck is like, oh, my God, I don't want to step into the batter's box with this guy throwing, but you have to. Um, as far as the baseline goes, you know, there's there's the ruling on the baseline, whether or not they're in or out of the baseline, that's an intense rule. Is he running in the baseline or out of the baseline because he's trying to block someone's vision, because he's trying to get hit by the ball? Is it an intentional move to try to deceive whoever's throwing the ball from behind him? That, 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 that's a really tough rule to interpret. I mean, and, and a lot of times the umpires won't even review that um, because they're trying to review intent. And if they go to the video, the video doesn't show intent. It just shows what happened. So I think the umpires don't want to give up that personal read on how the player reacts to the ball and running down the first baseline. You know what I mean? I think it, but Bill, if you're in the 45, if you're in the 45 uh, foot uh, yep. portion between, I mean, it's obvious whether you're in the in that portion or whether you're not. Yep, yep, I agree, I agree 100. percent But if you're running on the grass, is it because you're just hauling tail trying to get to first base, or is it because your intent is to try to get there without being thrown out? It, it's, I mean, it's a, it's again, we're talking about the unwritten rules. Why are you doing it? Well, the umpires have a feel for that. They have a feel for each player. They know the players who do certain things and the players who don't do certain things, and they're reacting accordingly. Um, I don't think there's a lot of players. I think it's less than probably less than 2% of the players who do things with the intent of trying to skirt the rules. I think everybody else, they're just trying to get base hits. With the dead ball now that we're using in baseball, Everybody's struggling to get hits. Everybody's just hauling tailed on the first baseline. If they're in the 45 cut or if they're in the grass, they're not even aware of that in, in some cases. And that may be a poor excuse, but 
I think in, in a lot of instances it's real. They, they're just not aware of where the baseline is, and they're just trying to get there. Um, you see it. You see it all the time with a little dribbler out in front of the plate. Catcher comes out, pitcher comes in, batter runners hauling butt down the first baseline. He's just trying to get there. Now the umpires, they got a feel for the game. They're on the field. They know. They hear what's being said. They they kind of got a they got a flavor for who's hot and 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 you know who's just trying to get a get a little advantage. That all plays into their decision, and um, I, I don't think video is helpful in that case because it eliminates the human element. It just shows pure video and nothing else, which I know that's hard to understand. It's it's kind of philosophical in a sense, but it's uh, it's kind of the way the game is now. You know, it's it's a lot harder to get hits. Everybody's throwing 100 miles an hour. <laughs> the ball is a little bit more dead uh, than it was last year, I think, because you're seeing that in the numbers. Uh, you can hear the ball coming off the bat. The sound is different. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of factors that go into that. As far as dugouts emptying, that's just that's that's really kind of for show. There may be a couple of guys who are pushing somebody else in the face, but you don't really see knockdown, dragout hockey fights. It's just baseball guys hanging on to each other. Tommy. Hi, Tommy. How are you, man? I think we lost Tommy. Roger? No, he's, not, yeah, he's on there. He's still on the board. The Braves are up over 5 nothing, and the Phillies are up over Milwaukee 5 nothing. But the uh, uh, Brewers have the bases loaded with two out, and, and they just uh, scored some runs. So uh, it's uh, baseball's back, and it's good to be in the, in the ballpark. Oh, it's fantastic. And I'll tell you what, I, I hate the fact that the Rays are on the West Coast because I can't stay up that late. Nine, <laughs> 9.38 first pitch, oh, my goodness. 9.38 first pitch, is, I mean, that, that's pushing my bedtime. Especially since <laughs> I got two classes tomorrow. I can't stay up that late. I can't even stay up for the first inning. i got to go to sleep. But it really is good to be back in the ballpark. It's, uh, it's, it's great to just see everybody. That, you know, the pregame, I, I show up a couple hours early just to get the ambiance, watch guys take BP, watch guys take ground balls. I mean that's the best part of the game. It's uh, baseball's a way of life. It's not really, not really a sport. It's like any other professional sport. You know, you show up early, you go out and you run a little bit, you throw a little bit, you stretch a little bit, you take some BP or you take some snaps from the center or, you know, you just take some shots on net. I mean that's that's the best part of the game, and that's that's what I'm really glad to see again is uh, guys just fitting into the game and coming back to having fans in the stands. I mean we got nine thousand in the stands every night now and. It's kind of nice to hear real live crowd instead of piped in white noise. That's so annoying, but it's nice to hear real people again. It's great. Bill Matthews, our guest here in this segment. And uh, Bill, I don't know whether you had a chance to see uh, uh, the game the other night uh, between the Phillies, uh, uh, where they, I'm not a great replay believer, to be honest with you. There are a lot of plays I wish they wouldn't replay. But uh, what turned out not to be a grand slam home run for the Phillies to tie it up 8-8 turned out to be a ground rule double and three runs scored. And yeah. Uh, the, yeah. that's what you see. The, did you see the play? What did you think of it? Yeah, it kind of hit the top of the pad. And I mean, right. the, ground rules, the ground rules of the specific stadium come into play. Um, some stadiums have that pad, and then they have a railing but the railing is set back in the first third of the of the padding closest to the bleachers. So if it clears the railing, it's a home run. If it doesn't clear the railing, even though it clears the pad, 
it's not a home run. I mean, ground right. rules are. I mean, we, we see it at the trap with fly balls that hit the hit some part of. We had a guy hit the roof the other day, and the ball catapulted off the roof straight down. And uh, first baseman was camped underneath it, and all of a sudden you see him scrambling. The catcher's diving to try to make a catch. The ball picked up about 20 miles an hour after bouncing off the Teflon roof. So, <laughs> you know, I think I, I, I think uh, I think replay is good in a situation like that because it saves a mistake being made in terms of determining it to be a home run. Right. But I also think I also think in some situations. Replay can fool you because there are certain plays that you have to watch at game speed, not on replay, because replay is going to make it look like an error. It's going to make it look like an out. But when you watch it at game speed, for example, a little dribbler in front of the plate, if you watch that play at game speed, you can see where the ball and the runner converge on the first baseman as the first baseman can see it if he can't see it. But if you watch that play in slow motion, you're going to think, oh, hell yeah, he can see it because there it is. But at game speed, he really couldn't see it. So I think replay has its pros and cons. I think it's necessary. I don't think I could do my job without it. But there's also, after a few years, you realize there's certain plays you can't watch on replay. You have to make the decision at game speed. Because if you do it on replay, you're going to be making a decision that's going to be influenced by the lack of speed in terms of uh, how the play actually played out. Well, Bill, just to carry it one step further before we bring Roger in, uh, is it an automatic ground rule decision that the runner had to be at second? Because yes, in sir. my view, the only the only exception I would take with it, because with the ball, the way it was hit, the way it reflected off the wall, I mean, he would have been on third base easily on that play. Can the yeah. umpire make a designated choice to say he's at third base or does he have to go to second? Straight up, It's a straight-up ground rule. There's no arbitrary decision involved in that straight-up ground rule. As soon as they see where it hits, they make the call. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what could have happened or what should have happened. It's a straight ground rule call. Okay. Wow. Hey, Bill. This is Tommy G. Back yes, again. Tommy. <laughs> How's your family doing, by the way? Everybody doing good. Family's, yeah, family's doing well. We lost uh, Grandma. My mother-in-law died yesterday. Oh morning. no. But she was yeah. Oh, she was sorry. 94 and. She had a wonderful life, and she just great. Everything just started, kind of started shutting down, and she she went peacefully. Uh, so she's she's resting up there with pops, and uh, they're probably having a cocktail right now in honor of all of them. <laughs> hey, how's how's Dukes doing down? To give Dukes and, and Dave Howard my Dukes, best down when Dukes, you see Dukes is Dukes, man. That guy is the most positive, upbeat person in the world. He's, he's <laughs> Tell awesome. my son Lodo. And how's, how's Dave doing? Dave doing? Well, Dave Howard. Yes. Dave Haller has moved on. He's yes. no longer with the Rays. He moved oh, on my. to his brother's. His brother has a huge corporate landscaping firm, and they needed a CFO because they're, they're, oh, expecting, a 300, they're expecting a 300% growth. It's in the northern Virginia, oh. Washington, D.C. area. They're expecting wow, 300% growth, him. and they needed, they needed somebody to run the money. So Dave yes. decided he had COVID, you know, and he was spending time with his wife and his kids every day. He wasn't going to the ballpark because the game wasn't going Aww. on. And after spending all the time with his family, he decided it's time, man. I need to, I need to do this. I need to focus on my family. So he got out of baseball because, you know, you can get married to Aww. the game and you, it, it costs a lot of people. That's right. Relationships. 
So he moved on. Roger, you, you can get the last question in because Brian Breesman is ready to come on. We talk about the lightning in just a few minutes. So, Roger, we'll let you get the last question in for Bill. Well, Bill, uh, you know, it was interesting. We were talking about the decision. The uh, Phillies had uh, challenged a tag at home uh, from uh, my least uh, favorite player uh, almost of all time, Odubo Herrera, to uh, J.P. <laughs> Rianuso, and uh, they, it got reversed in New York on a tag play. So, I mean, here we are once again talking about umpires and uh, – when yeah. you see it in real time versus uh, mm-hmm. replay changes the uh, whole complexion of that big, of that play. Well, understand, Roger. The, the purpose of replay is they're only going to overturn it if they have undisputable evidence, right, that the wrong call was made. And they've got they've got twelve different angles that they can use in the replay center, which the umpires don't have in the ballpark. That's why they put the headset on. And the guy from New York is telling them what they're seeing, telling them what they're seeing. And the supervisor of umpires, and it, it's a rotating uh, supervisory role of guys who are supervisors now in, in MLB for umpires. They're all like umpires. They say, okay, here's what we see. But the, home, the, the, the head of the crew and the home plate umpire have the final decision as to whether or not the rule has changed. If they're convinced that what the guys in New York are seeing is enough to make them change their call, then they will change their call. If they're convinced it's not enough, then they'll keep the call the way it is. So the only way a call gets overturned is if New York proves that they can see something that the umpire on the field did not see. Let me ask you, Bill, is it in New York City or is it uh, in Secaucus at the uh, MLB network where they are? Right now, it's still in New York City. It's down uh, in the uh, Wharf District. It's uh, it's kind of like a top secret building in the in the middle of a like a little uh, shopping center. Uh, they're thinking about moving to Sea Caucus, but I don't think that move has been made yet. Okay, thank you very much, well, Bill Breesman. Standing up there, Bill. Bill, thank you very very much. Thank uh, you, Bill. Always a pleasure. And we'll yes, get you back real soon because a lot of baseball will be played this year. Thank you. Yes, it is. Thank Thanks you, Bill. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, guys. My pleasure. Take care, Bill. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bill. Yes, sir. Brian Breeze is standing by right now. Of course, uh, most people watching the Lightning 1-1 with uh, 10.22 to go in the second period. Uh, quite a game right now in Emily Arena. And, uh, so let's uh, let's chat a little bit about hockey first and give us a little idea of what, uh, what you have in mind, Brian. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good evening. Yes, Good, Brian. Good to hear you. Yep, Tyler Johnson got off the uh, got off the snide here tonight. In fact, got up on the board and then uh, a goal by the Stars here late in the uh, in the first period got them on the board and even things up. So hopefully the boys will uh, respond here in the second and uh, look forward to uh, the playoffs coming up as well. Tommy, you got Tom there cheering him on there, Brian. <laughs> oh, hey Brian, I think that as, as no, I'm calling from the hallway. The <laughs> I'm down the hallway the 19. <laughs> <laughs> Better than the outhouse, Tommy. That's right. <laughs> hey Brian, all kidding aside, I think John Cooper should be coach of the year. He's done a terrific job with Kucha and Samra. And Babaleski is such a great goaltender. He reminds me like about a Bernie Perron. I think. I still think that John should be coach of the year with job he's done for us. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot of people would disagree that he should at least be in the conversation. Um, obviously, we've had a number of significant industry injuries, some of which that you mentioned, but I think what goes unnoticed are a lot of the injuries that we had on the back end. Um, probably where we're not quite as um, as deep as we are at forward. You know, Ryan uh, McDonough missed some time. Jan Ruta missed some time. So those guys, you know, they really forced the team to go down the depth chart a little bit. And, uh, you know, maybe that's why um, at the trade deadline, Julian Breezewa decided to go out and get somebody like a David Savard and a Freddie Clayton mm-hmm. uh, just to build that overall depth and um, bolster the blue line a little bit heading into the postseason, knowing that that was an area uh, of need for the organization. Well, yeah, I Ryan, think I don't know you had a chance to too. see the Tom Watson situation, but we talked about it in the first half hour. Uh, did you see it uh, by any chance? And uh, what do you think about the league ruling and the fine of only $5,000 and no real strong disciplinary action? Yeah, I, I saw I saw what happened. Uh, obviously, I think it's, it was expected. Um, unfortunately, it's kind of the reality. You know, I think a lot of people, I don't think it's the, what, what happened at the start of the game there, didn't surprise anybody. I think everybody kind of knew about it. I think around the league it was must-see TV because everyone knew uh, mm. the second that, that there wasn't any supplemental discipline, that there was going to be some um, some fireworks. So it's unfortunate. Um, I'm not going to comment on the decision one way or another. Um, I don't think that's quite not appropriate for somebody from, from another team to, to weigh yeah. in. But, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's, uh, it's unfortunate uh, that the game comes to that, uh, you know, and, and the whole game. One, you know, one fight's exciting, but when the whole period is dominated by yeah. uh, so much. I thought, it, I thought it was terrible. Uh, Tommy, go ahead. I think you had a question no, yeah, for no, I, 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 Yeah, Brian, I thought that fight was terrible. It brought back hockey's black guy that fights bench opening brawls up there and that, and I think Walsh should have got more. It's just because the way hockey's played today, it's a finesse game. Not like the Broad Street Bulls, you beat someone up in that way and that. But I think you should have got more suspension up there. And and, and the way like, and the way Alex Gorn's playing this year, and uh, and Yanni Gorn's make Yanni Gorn reminds me of, a, a, of another like Marty Saint Louis when he's on that icy bang 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 go. He's just uh, you know this this team Brian's going to repeat for the Stanley Cup championship and get the two players back. Look out, rest in the National Hockey League. Well, from your lips to God's ears, Tommy. Well, <laughs> I don't victory know if, dance. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you guys saw the game tonight, the uh, the Capitals Rangers game tonight, but it it was a complete gong show. Everyone dropped right <laughs> the, dropped the first puck. Everyone dropped the gloves. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a little bit of a situation there. Roger. Yanni's 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 having a great uh, a great year. I think you mentioned Killer as well. Um, him as well. I mean, it's just if you look at uh, the goal differential and, and the offensive output that we've had this year, um, you're not going to get there, especially without you know the likes of Kucherov and. You know, Sam Coast for a lot of the year, you're not going to get that without a little bit of contribution from, you know, a lot of other players as well. Roger. Ryan, do you, 
you check around the league at, uh, as to what's going on with other teams? We talked about the changes in New York. Uh, John Davidson's out. Uh, Chris Brewery's in. Uh, and number one in Philadelphia, they uh, they want to make changes because uh, this team definitely unperformed uh, when you look back at what, how they were last year. Do you look around at the other teams and have an opinion of uh, of what some of the things going on are? Well, I think it's human nature to have an opinion. <laughs> whether, oh, whether that's I true. Say it on, uh, whether I can say it on fighting words or not is a whole is a whole different thing. Um, I, I would I, the Philadelphia situation um, without getting into a whole lot of detail. I mean, I think every anybody would recognize they have a lot of potential, and you know they would probably admit that they underachieved. They vastly underachieved. Um, you know, the uh, New York Rangers situation is interesting just because, you know, they're already in the middle of a um, of a rebuild, and they, and they had already sent out a statement regarding uh, those very critical of the league regarding the Tom Wilson, Wilson situation. So the timing is, is very strange. So... You know, I it's uh it's interesting. So we'll we'll see how th- how things play out in, in both markets there, but they're obviously both markets that are very very important to the league and the league is more uh fun to watch and, and, and more healthy when those teams are uh, are doing well. Another thing you might want to comment on is that you know, the lightning uh were very, very calm when they you know, they clinched the position to be in at the playoffs, Coop said, you know, you're always happy when the pressure's off. You're going to be in the playoffs, but the season's not over. Your position's not over. You still have to play. Yeah, there. I mean, tonight's game is actually a lot. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there are a couple there are implications for both teams in tonight's game. You know, we're uh, we're not fighting for our lives. Obviously, we're already in, but there are um, there are a lot of implications for us as well. You know, we're trying to keep pace with Florida to try and get home ice advantage uh, in the first round. Um, Dallas is obviously batting, battling with, uh, with Nashville for the, the final playoff spot in our, in the central division. So, yeah, I mean, the thing you first thing you want to do is, is make the playoffs and, and get in. I mean, that's obviously the first and foremost uh, thing you want to worry about, but uh, you can't, you can't win the cup if you don't, if you don't get in, but, you know, once you once you get in, then you need to think about um, getting your team ready and, and being mentally and physically prepared for uh, when that puck drops on the Stanley Cup playoffs because it's it's a completely different uh, different animal, different season. The intensity ramps up exponentially. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just it's just about getting ready. You know, it's probably less about wins and losses and just making sure that you're playing the best hockey you can at the most important times. Tommy? Roger? Really? Hey, Tommy again? Tommy's, is Tommy yeah, yeah. uh, eating? Did he go to the popcorn stand? Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, did you grow up in the uh, Tampa Bay area and a lifelong uh, fan? No, I no, I did not. I grew up, uh, I, I moved around a lot. I was born uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, grew up in the greater Chicago area. Okay. Go Bears. <laughs> yeah. Bear down. There's Tommy. 
back from the popcorn There's Tommy stand. now. Brian, the fact that we don't get we don't get a chance to see a lot of the uh, a lot of the teams uh, as they do go to the playoffs and as you prepare, what do you think about the other divisions? What do you think about how things are going there, and, and who do you like? Yeah, again, like uh, as as an executive with uh, with one team, I'm going to try not to get into too much detail on on the other teams. Um, I think obviously out west, uh, Colorado, I think is an extremely uh, deep team. Like they have pretty much anything that that, that everything that you want on the team. I, I think Colorado is extremely uh, strong team. Vegas as well. Uh, out east, I mean, obviously, I think Washington is really good. Boston just clinched their spot. I think Pittsburgh, they just got Malkin back. Um, I don't think you could really count them out with, with Crosby in the North Division. I, you know, I, I, I Toronto's obviously uh, leading the division. I, I think, you know, call as a, you know, being a Wisconsin guy, Cole Caulfield, uh, the Hobie Baker winner from University of Wisconsin, now with Montreal, uh, mm-hmm. he's he's mm-hmm. already got two game winners, both overtime goals here in a very short, small sample size. Um, I, I think Winnipeg's really strong too. You know, Cal um, Connor Hellebuck's a very good, very good goaltender. You can never uh, count out a team with a good goaltender in the postseason. So uh, we'll see that North Division. They're going to get a late start too because of uh, the the situation with the Vancouver Canucks. Yes. So we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. I think I got Tommy, if you got one more for me, and then I got to run, that period's getting ready to... No, you, I think you better run. I <laughs> <laughs> got a couple minutes. Thank I you, Brian. Okay, well, one more, okay. All right, well, one more question I got for you. I, I think right now, the way NHL, you, you got to give Gary Bettman credit from last year, playing in the ball, but you got to give players credit for playing that, especially our guys who are going in that bubble, winning the cup and bringing it home. It's the most exciting thing I've ever seen in my life. When you bring that cup home and it was in the, in the parade in the bay, it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they said it's, a, it's one of the hardest, uh, it was the hardest cup to win, you know, just because of the spending 65 days in isolation. Um, and the league did an outstanding job in um, making it, you know, the, uh, the most inhabitable, inhabitable bubble like that you could ever that you could have, and creating all these accommodations for everybody, um, and making it, you know, a, a very rough situation um, as, as best as it, as it could and as good as it could be. So yeah, it, and it looked great on television, and I think from a fan perspective, um, it was great, especially early on when there was hockey on basically all day, and you. Could Sit on your couch. Yep. It was almost March Madness, but it was for, uh, but for you know, March Madness. Yes. Not so it was, <laughs> it was really, uh, it was really a dream come true, and uh, it was really it was great to watch. And you know, and there's also uh, a lot to be said too for what uh, what they've done this season. Obviously, you know, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit harder to keep things under control when. You know, teams are traveling from city to city, and right. uh, so all the all, all, all the protocols and everything that's happened this season. You know, it's a really condensed schedule. It's been tough. So, uh, right. 
but kudos to everybody involved. Hopefully here we get through the mm-hmm. get through this season, get through the playoffs, and then next year we uh, just have something a normal. little bit more normalcy. Brian, thank you very, very much. Uh, we just got another goal scored over here with 321 to go. In the second period, it's now 2-1 to one in favor of the Lightning. And uh, Brian, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Brian. Looks like the guys, actually, Tommy, I think Tommy's uh, telepathic. It's actually uh, scored by Alex Killorn from assisted by Yanni Gord, so the two guys that Tommy mentioned uh, earlier. <laughs> Hey, tell tell him that when you see him after the game, all right? Tell him that. (laughs) Tell him that. Thanks, Brian, for coming on. Take care, Brian. Thank you. Have a great night. Thank you, Brian. Brian. (laughs) You too. How about that? All right, Tommy, you you can recreate the goal. (laughs) 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 Well, like like I said before, I mean, you know, I should have told, asked Brian that with Stammer and Cooch out, this is Brendan Point's team, and Yanni Gord's playing like Marty St. Louis, and Alex Gordon stepped up big time. I mean, this is this team is to, to be reckoned with, guys. And Babalewski's playing his 300th game. This this team's this team is going to be, and we'll be playing hockey late, probably until hopefully Fourth of July or late late June, win the cup again. And I, I believe in this team right now, guys. Not because I work for them, but I believe what I've seen in. What I've seen with John Cooper, seven out of the eight years in the playoffs, four straight years in the playoffs, and plus plus one cup. If, you know, if it had been a great way, John Cooper's still coach of the year. And this is John's <laughs> cup to win back-to-back. Roger, well, Mike Simzak's not ready to go yet, so uh, you pick well, a topic uh, until uh, Mike's uh, ready to go. We'll jump in with him. Okay, I've, yeah, I got a couple things, uh, Don, and that is why is Odubo Herrera still in Major League <laughs> Baseball batting zero eight zero? Number one. Number two is Joe uh, is under a lot of heat uh, in uh, Philly uh, about mm-hmm. his managing, and uh, it's really sad. Where I'm a big fan, we're all a big fan of Joe, but he yes. is real making some questionable plays or calls, I should say. And i got to believe that the uh, bench coach needs to go because the bench coach has a lot to do with it. And I don't want to see that guy take Joe right down the two. And that's the way it's going. Well, Roger, you, you also you also should talk a little bit about the manager of the Giants who was down in Philadelphia for quite some time. And you really... We're not one of his favorite people. Yes. Still am not. And uh, you, know, you have seen my correspondence from Angelo Cataldi. He and I are on the same page, Don. We are not Kapler fans. Donnie? I'll yes, tell you what, you know, get back to the uh, – let's get back to – we have a couple minutes Let's get back to the NFL draft. You know, the Eagles, uh, I saw uh, the uh, one guy uh, gave them an A-. minus, And if the, uh, the player they took in the second round, that offensive lineman from uh, Alabama, if he doesn't get hurt, that could be like a all-pro for 10 years. And wow. uh, they say the uh, – but it was amazing uh, – the grades that were given to so many teams this year, uh, it's A, you know, A minus, uh, B plus, right. Burke, 
Well, you saw the same uh, facts that I saw. Well, I saw. I was on with Billy uh, yesterday, and we talked quite a bit about the draft. And, and uh, as you said, when Billy was on with Angel Catali on uh, right after the draft was completed the next morning, uh, he really thought that the uh, Eagles had made very, very selective and very positive draft. Uh, so, all we could do is look at, as you said, up and down the line, and. Again, we'll go back to what Roy said earlier. I mean, it's great to see all these highlights and all this stuff of all these players, but you really don't know. I mean, you, don't, you know, you, no. you can look at the top three or four quarterbacks because you see them play all the time. But other than that, you got to tell me an offensive lineman from San Diego State is a player that 99 <laughs> and 9 tenths people in the world can evaluate. Yeah. I can't, well, I can't uh, a couple that. of things that Charlie White said today that he absolutely hates the draft. And he said, you get all these uh, uh, guys felt right. What do we got, a boat? What do we got, a boat going somewhere? What, what? No, it's a goal. That's Lightning scores a goal. Three, three to one. The Amelie Arena. Three to one boat. Right, no, talk to, should we talk to Brian for good luck and three to one? <laughs> that's, my, no. that's my karma, guys. I thought well, it was point. Yeah. You know, I'm, saying, I'm looking at the pitching coach right now that the uh, Phillies got rid of, and they've had disaster ever since, and the Braves signed them up. And look at the the Braves are now rolling. Uh, uh, they've got mm-hmm. everything together. And the pitching, uh, they've got the, they, their uh, uh, defense far superior to the uh, Phillies, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, not, you know, not for them, obviously, but uh, – I just uh, I think that uh, there were some really good picks, uh, and I think that the one thing, and we talked about Kyle Phillips, uh, you know, the uh, tight end that Roy mentioned. You know, he's a Philly guy. Uh, went to Abington High School, and then he transferred mm. to Archbishop Wool, uh, Archbishop Wood, I should say. And uh, I got to tell you what I what I I saw about this young man. If you saw those uh, players coming out in, in those uh, suits and the glitz and the watches and all the uh, diamonds, and then you saw this young man come out with a regular watch that you and I could wear, uh, it really said, <laughs> said a lot about him, let me tell you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Phil Mustick wrote last week in the, uh, in the New York Post, it was more like a rock concert than it was a draft. <laughs> I mean, right. uh, <laughs> It, it, uh, it was so ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, the whole thing from start to finish. And, you, you know, you turn it on and you watch the first four or five guys that are picked. In my case, I watched until the Eagles made their selection, and then I turned it off. I, I mean, I'd rather read the paper the next day. First of all, I don't right. know what any of the players are talking about. And secondly, I'm not interested in a rock concert. No, I don't know. I got lost in the mail. <laughs> well, Guys, uh, get fresh out. from the locker room uh, in, in Washington uh, is uh, number 34, uh, Mike, the swingers, Simsack. Oh, oh he's, he's, he's finally <laughs> with us. You woke up, hey, Mike. Hi. Hey, my, my, my memo said I got the memo. I got the memo. It said eight forty. 
Yep. <laughs> well, you've got to have Tom Coughlin's time 10 minutes before. Well, I picked up the, the military told me only five minutes early, so I called in at 8.35. So I'm good. There you go. <laughs> Mike, let me ask you this. We've talked we've we've talked this we've talked this from top to bottom, but uh what are the what do the people in Washington think about the Tom Watson situation? Forget what the Rangers think, forget what the league thinks, forget the five thousand dollar fine and no disciplinary action. What do the people in Washington think about this player? I think the people in Washington generally are happy that he's on the Capitals, because he's the type of player that you like when he's on your team and hate when you have to play against him. But the prevailing wisdom is that he's got to get the temper under control because people are just too easily baiting him. And he goes for it, and he'll get the suspension, he'll get the fine, and then he'll come back and, you know, back off. He won't be as physical as he needs to be. Uh, for a couple of games afterwards. And he right now, with the uh, Caps being as short-handed at forward as they are, you know, the Vetchkin's out. Um, Oshie's dealing with the death of his father. Uh, Kuznetsov's out. Um, they're, 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 they only had 11 healthy forwards for this game. Uh, tonight, so they, they kind of need him. They rely on him. Here's a guy, though, let's keep this in mind. Here's a guy who came into the league as basically a, an athlete that worked himself all the way up from the fourth line to a first-line forward. So, you know, he, he's still big. He's a guy that really likes to be out there when he's effective in doing his job. You know, he's a good player. You know, he talks very much about being conscious about how he plays, how he hits, making sure that his hits are clean. But then he just, every once in a while, that red mist just descends on him, and you end up what with what you had on Monday night. And he's lucky that it was in the middle of an already going on break because if that had been an open play or something else, he'd have probably been sick for the rest of the season because he's already been suspended for seven games once this season, and he's a known commodity at the, uh, the disciplinary offices. Mm-hmm. Roger? The, uh, what uh, was the uh, consensus uh, of uh, Washington fans about the Washington football uh, draft results, Mike? Most people are pretty happy, right? Uh, you know, the, the we came in and everybody said they need, they need to pick up a linebacker, a tackle, secondary help, and if they could get a wide receiver and a tight end, that'd be nice. When you look at the first five picks they made, linebacker, tackle, secondary, wide receiver, tight end. Right. Uh, I saw a lot of draft reports that weren't necessarily as high on Jamin Davis as Ron Rivera was, but Ron Rivera loves this guy, he likes his size, he likes his length. And remember, Ron Rivera was a halfway decent linebacker in the NFL himself, so this is what he wants. Um, He's got the guy that he really wanted. It was interesting hearing uh, Greg Minuski talk about it because uh, he said, Minuski coaches down in Kentucky right now. He said, you know, 
Uh, he was a little bit surprised at the 40 time. He said he didn't, didn't think he played that fast on the field. That might bear some watching. But generally, the, uh, the football, the, the, the fans are re- and the uh, pundits are very, very happy with what they took. Um, and with so many, because you only had one draft in the top 50, um, the draft is really going to be gained off of what this guy does, right? A lot of people would seem to have downgraded outside of the D.C. area. A lot of people seem to have downgraded their draft because they didn't take the the flyer and go up and get Justin Fields when he was available. But I don't think that they necessarily had the same um, grade on Justin Fields as a lot of teams did. And it was clear that they had a plan. They wanted to go after certain positions. And they stuck to their plan, and they got the players that they wanted. And if nothing else, the Ron Rivera and Ron also walked away happy with what they did. They got what they wanted, and it's their time to coach them up. Mike Zibzak is our special guest this segment of the mm-hmm. program. And, of course, Mike, yes. normally uh, we talk about football and we talk about uh, hockey. If you're right now looking at what's happening on the hockey front, but your uh, real bailiwick is soccer. And here in Tampa, we've got the uh, we've got the Bucks who are <laughs> winning a, a National Football League championship, and uh, but their family over in England uh, is not being too successful. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, soccer we is your soccer bit. is your life. We talked a little bit about it last week when we, we talked about the European Super League, and this is just a byproduct of this. Um, you got to remember, this was a team that was, that was a winning team that was publicly traded and had little to no debt when the Glazers bought them 16 years ago. And as part of a leverage takeover, they loaded that team with about um, 800 uh, million pounds of debt that didn't previously exist, close to a billion dollars. Over the intervening 16 years, there's still over 440 million pounds of debt on stock exchange, and that has a lot of people concerned because just the amount of interest used to service that debt is a player or two that could help the team every year that's being removed because they had to pay the mm-hmm. loans. At the same time, the Glazers continue to take hundreds of millions of dollars in dividends each year that could be used to improve the facilities, that could be used to renovate the stadium, that could be used to to uh, buy players for contracts, and but they they don't really the players don't really have or the fans I should say don't really have a voice in this. Mm. And that, that's what I want you to talk about because the game was canceled. Let's talk a little bit about what the action has been because it was. It was not a friendly uh, protest, and they had to cancel the game, and they don't know what's going to happen now, right? Well, they they have rescheduled it for next Thursday, right? So the game will be played next Mm -hmm. Thursday. Now they're going to end up playing five games or four games. They're going to play five games in a little less than ten days, right? They'll Mm -hmm. play tomorrow. Uh, They have to fly to Rome tomorrow to play. They're back in England for a game on Sunday. They play again on Tuesday, Thursday, and then the following Sunday. So five games in a little over ten days. That's a lot, right? That's a lot, especially when 
you know, you're, you're dealing with the end of the season, managing and stuff like that. Um, the general tenor of the protest, uh, it affects it, you because uh, it's been covered a variety of ways. And a lot of people were taking their cues from the English commentary. And it was a lot of, oh, look at the hooligans, look at the hooligans, look at the hooligans, right? Finally, mm-hmm. there about thousand people out there, and 200 got in. I just saw the same photo picture over and over and over again of the one guy throwing the camera stand onto the field, right? Mm. But they got in through an open gate. Let's be honest. They got in through an open gate. Now, mm. I have some questions about your stadium security and stewards if there's a protest that you have known about for two weeks. Mm-hmm. This was not a impromptu sort of gathering. Man United Supporters Trust and the fans have been organizing this protest for two over since the announcement of the European Super League. They have been targeting this specific game for a protest and organizing it on social media. It's not like you didn't know this was happening. So how they mm-hmm. got caught so flat-footed is beyond me. Right? Mm-hmm. Um and the fans' general thing was they wanted to prevent this game from being played to make statements. What that statement is and how the Blazers react to it remains to be seen because, you know, their latest statement was that they weren't interested in selling. In fact, the only Glazer I know that said that he was interested in selling any part of his, his share in the team was Jay Glazer, and that's the wrong Glazer yep. as far as I know. He's stupid, I mean. I call those guys the Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. Unreal with, uh, unreal. What they're doing? I mean, this is crazy up there. Well, they had. Remember, they were going to fire Tony Dungy, and one of the reporters from Tampa said, "You mean to tell me you fired Dungy not having a coach there?" And what they what they did for Tampa Bay Mutiny, Mike, they overtaxed them. And what they did for Tampa Bay Lightning here, they overtaxed like Lightning Bear, who survived those years with Glaciers, took all the taxes from them. So I don't. I have no respect for the Glaciers at all, what they did for the Tampa Bay area, for these two, for these two organizations. One was a great soccer team, and the other one was a hockey team. No, no respect for them at all. They've been basically running the world's most popular club, like an ATM, for the right. better part of 16 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, sometimes the, the, the protests, sometimes the riot is the, the language of the unheard. And what you saw was a bunch of fans who love their team who are being mm-hmm. elbowed out by the actions of the owners, and this yep. is the only way that they can make them their opinion known. And the exactly. thing is, I really think this is going to be the last time that they do it. I mean, I think that uh, the Glazers are going to be in for – We'll see more of this because also the other thing we got to understand, it's not like they live in England. It's not like they even go over to the game that much, right? And it's that attitude of they don't really seem to genuinely care about the welfare of the club as long as it's making money mm-hmm. for them. That has all you care about. so many of the Manchester United fans and faithful. Mm-hmm. That's Roger. all they care about, Mike, in their own pocket. Yep. Well, you know, we're talking a lot about them, and uh, but they listen. They won a Super Bowl, Tommy, uh, this past uh-huh. year. Uh, but the, my question, Mike, is 
how do you handle this, and what are what can they do? They are going. I think the only thing that they can do is bridge the gap in between them and the fans, right? If it's talking to the United Manchester United Supporters Trust and setting up something where the fans can have, have feel like they have a voice, answering questions, being a little bit more transparent, giving the fans some indication that they genuinely care about the welfare of the club from a sporting perspective, just not mm-hmm. from a monetary perspective, right? Yep. They've, they've been so standoffish and distant that the fans just feel so isolated by them. And they, they just, it, it, every time they open their mouths, it's like Marie Antoinette and the let them eat cake, right? They just seem so out of touch with the reality of what the fans are going through. And so I think it would make, it would be great if they started by, you know, we are going to make a, a you know, two, three, four hundred dollar investment, four hundred million dollar investment in the team and the facilities. We're gonna upgrade the facilities at Old Trafford and bring the stadium up to date. We're gonna make sure that we have a team consistently that's competitive. We're gonna back our manager with the funds that he needs to get the players in. We are going to win the first championship since that we we're gonna win our we're gonna set a goal to win our first trophy, major trophy since what 2013, when in um, almost 10 years since when Sir Alex Ferguson retired, and really show that they give, that they care about the sporting aspect of it more so than just the monetary aspect of it. Well, Tommy, you've been in Tampa a long time, and uh, I'll right. tell you, since I've been down this area, the exact same things were said about the, the Buccaneers. The fact when they owned exactly. the Buccaneers, they yeah. went from Tony Dungy. And they they didn't do right. anything from Tony Dungy until two years ago when they made a coaching change that really counted, and that didn't exactly. seem to have any relationship to the fans. Well, that's that's the way it's been ever since Glacier's bought down here, Don and everybody. There's no relationship to the fans at all. I mean, you could tell it's part of the media when they first bought it. When one place was first built, you can't even go in there and talk to the players like you used to do. It, it's just a, it's just a shame because Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. And thank God for Bruce Harris got the team together. But I know what those fans are going through. The same thing the Tampa Bay fans went through here when Glazers first bought this team. If there's no personality, they don't go out and think. Good example, I'll tell you this. Jeff Bennett, when he bought the Tampa Bay Lightning, what he's done for the community, what Jeff's done for downtown Tampa, what he's done for community, youth hockey, the Lightning Foundation, every game uh, was there sponsors fifty thousand get fifty thousand dollars for a, a poor people that need that need money up there which is good. Yeah, it's just good poor people need money up there. Which is this is between Jeff Vinnick and, and the Glaciers and uh and and you go order one for the race. Um you know it's a, the on the race does the same thing with the with the area too. Glaciers don't get back to community. Jeff Vinnick gives back to the Tampa Bay area. He gives back even more and more and more. And so does Stu Sternberg with the race more and more. You don't see the Glaciers give anything that way. They give nothing back to the community. You know, that's, Roger? that's my... <laughs> well, you know, we're yeah, talking the a lot. That you, the other thing that you, you have to look at is their business model, o- overall business model. They're, 
the whole hands that they have closing right. all of them. Uh, their other right. restaurants are are in desperate shape. Uh, you got the yep. the soccer mm-hmm. club that, like Mike said, they've been stealing money out of the pay of themselves oh, for how long? High cost of living plus buy some players over here. Um, yeah. You know, they just have not, they have no, um, the father even had no uh, respect for no the sense, right? crowds. No, no, no respect for the fans or nothing. And if you're sorry for these butt fans that die here, here's a good example of what happened here, guys. Well, from my sources, the York's in Tampa is a long time ago. Guy had season tickets, Frank and everybody, since 1976 on the line. Moved in a new stadium, Ray J. The Glazers make sure this one guy had the tickets way upstairs. They put their buddies in there. That's a true story. And I heard that, I almost cried. <laughs> that's, a true, that's a true story because the guy had tickets from 76. They put them upstairs, and they got their buddies on the 50-yard line. It's still very shaky over there, guys. But, you know, respect Roger. the one Super Bowl. Well, I find it hard to believe it can be shaky, Tommy, when you, after you won oh, the Super oh, Bowl. And, and Roger, you don't, Roger you don't know the whole thing. Roger, you know the whole thing down here. I've been, I've been down here. Oh, well, I know they won the Super Bowl. Soon. That I do know. Yeah, but I'm, Roger, I'm not, I'm not saying I know what goes on. Okay. I'm just saying oh. that if you win a Super Bowl, you're going to get fan support no matter what. Right, right. Well, and Roger, that was what was happening in the early couple of for a couple of years ago. You know, they were winning, and it was hard for anybody to mount a problem that I mean, Manchester United was winning throughout most of the mm-hmm. aughts and the early part of the teens. You know, in the the late aughts, from about 2006 to about 2013, were probably one of the most dominant teams in all of Europe. And oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, covered up for a lot of sins, but now, you know, <laughs> they've just been directionless for so many years. And then you hear mm-hmm. somebody like Joe Glazer talking about you know, they they uh, they don't want to sell because they enjoy the prestige of owning Manchester United, which just further isolates right. them from the fans because it's like mm-hmm. this is a sporting club, you know, this is a club that has. It's roots back in the 1800s as an athletic club right. for the railway workers, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't respect the club's heritage and you think of it just as a prestige piece, you know, it's you know, the community that has a beautiful and tragic history that goes back well over 100 years. And it just they don't give off the impression that they really understand or appreciate the club's history and what it means to the people of Manchester. Mike, well, that was well, my well, next question. Are they gonna are they gonna right. be able are they are they gonna be able to get this next game in? You you say it's rescheduled. But are this are the fans gonna are they gonna protest enough that they won't be able to play the next game either? No, but they made they um they made their statement. You know, they'll um they don't have to worry about the next game because the next game that they're playing tomorrow is in Rome, right? So the fans are flying all the way over to Italy to protest. I'll tell you that because they can't mm-hmm. get in. All right, not a problem there. The uh, and then I'm pretty sure the next the uh, game on Sunday is uh, in Birmingham and is also a away game, so they'll be great. They'll get the next two games in. Um, as for the games next week, I don't think they're going to protest. Um, they targeted that game because it was a big game. It was Manchester United. 
and Liverpool. That's probably the biggest rivalry in all of England. It's the most historic rivalry in all of England. It's one that's going to have worldwide eyes on it and a large viewing number. And they specifically want to delay that game from being played and prevent it from being played on Sunday. They accomplished that goal. They made their statement. They're going to let the rest of the season go ahead because they need the team to finish the season, right? Remember, these are still fans. They would like to see the team be successful. And if you wipe out the rest of the game, then all the, you know, the previous 33 that they've played are for naught. Roger? Well, I know I, I wish Mike would follow up. I want to know uh, how they're going, what they're going to do about security when you said they uh, I, were they were undermanded. You know, I I believe that you know they will have every steward in that they can in the grounds or on for the next home game, and that the uh, Greater Manchester Police will be on full alert to make sure that that game gets played, right? Because there's no no one wants another embarrassment, right? And they'll make sure. I have no doubt that. I shouldn't say that. I really, really, really strongly feel that they will get these remaining games. There's been no talk on social media or any place else that I'm aware of where they're talking about going out and doing something like that again, right? So it just seems like there might be some more protests, but I don't think it'll take on anywhere the size, shape, or form that it took on um, on Sunday. Tommy's getting coffee. Yes, please. Uh, Tommy's getting coffee. Yeah. No, no, no. Stop, stop coffee before now. I'll say between whatever, whatever that crowd noise is, I'm all out. I, I, it, it's hard to even understand anything anybody's saying tonight. I Roger, know, go ahead. No, it's it just uh, uh, so, so uh, Mike, what you're saying is that they definitely will have security. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I I don't think that, you know, and not for nothing, this is the second major security gap that they've had at Old Trafford in four years, right? Four years ago, the last game of the season was postponed because uh, they were doing a threat assessment with stadium security, and they accidentally left a suspicious device in one of the bathrooms. Right? Oh, my gosh. And the game had to be called off while they investigated this. Now you have the fans apparently getting in through an open gate. I'm going to guess that they're going to try to go around and whoever's in charge of security and, um, you know, stadium security at Old Trafford right now, uh, if he hasn't been called in front of the principal's office, he's on his way there very, very quickly to explain how this happened and make them promise that it never will. Again. Well, we finally got everything cleared up. I can hear what everybody's saying. Roger, keep going. Well, the uh, let's talk about the Nationals. We haven't talked about the uh, the Nationals at all. Uh, how how are they looking? They're losing to the Braves tonight, five to one. What do you think, Mike? I think that you saw them last week beat up on the Marlins when they were a little bit shorthanded, but. You know, it's going to come home and Ruth Lester, uh, not, um, yeah, John Lester finally got out and had a decent, and finally made his first 
start. He looked good. Uh, Patrick Corbin actually had a good game. It, champ, though, the all-time champ, though, Max Scherzer from this weekend, who went out and pitched a complete game, struck out nine in two hours, 30 minutes, and made it to the hospital in time to see his third child be born. Oh, that's great. That is good. That's very good. Yep. Any other news you'd like to touch on, Mike, before we jump? No, I think that we covered it all. The Nats are doing what the Nats do. Football teams like, um, yeah, uh, the Wizards play basketball still. And, uh, <laughs> the Capitals, uh, I mean, the, oh, yeah, with the Caps, we talked a little bit about Wilson, but keep an eye on Alexander Ovechkin. He only played 39 mm-hmm. seconds on Monday, and he's out tonight. Um, mm. This is a guy who doesn't normally miss games unless it's something serious. And uh, I'm wondering what this lower – and, you know, the uh, NH when it comes to injury reports, is about as clear as mud. Um, I don't know what this lower body injury is, but it seems to really, 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 really be bothering him. So that might be something to bear keep an eye on as we get closer and closer to oh the Oh boy, that's a shame. But I was saying, Ovechkin, Washington needs him in the worst way. Well, yeah, you know, you're without your primary goal scoring threat any time, oh. and that's a team that's largely built to capitalize on him. You know, you talk, we talked about Tom Wilson. One of the reasons why he is on that line is because of the service that he's able to give Ovechkin. Um, Protection Ovechkin. That's all he's doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's going to see that you know they're playing a little bit of shorthanded, and Tell is getting a little chippy at the end of the season. Um, and, and so uh, watching out what happens to them as they head to the playoffs, and hoping that they can get Ovechkin healthy, uh, figure out what's going on with uh, Kuzi, maybe get some Sonoff back because uh, this kid beats that Vanessa. I mean, jeez. For a taxi squad goalie to lead all rookie goalies and wins, he's had a heck of a season right. this season, but I don't think they want to count on sure him has. alone during the playoffs. Absolutely. And watch out, my well, first team at Tampa. We have not got Stamkos and Kucherov back. Look out. And they've been mm-hmm. skating on lines and during a skate this, after, this morning. They were on the line skating this, after, this afternoon. So, Avaluski's great. We're winning 3-1 in the, in the middle of the third period right now. So, it's Thirteen fifty-one to go, Tommy, in the game. Oh, thank you. Okay, thank you. It's, uh, that means I better get upstairs. <laughs> get ready for the post-game up there or not. So, gentlemen, thank you for having me on. And, you know, I'm going to get ready for post-game right now. Guys, Don, Roger, Mike, okay. everybody, thank Tom, you so much. Tommy, have a great week. Mike, thank, thank you guys so for... much for being with us. As always, I love talking about the soccer. I'm hoping to be out to the United game a week from Saturday night. Oh, nice. keep an eye nice. on um, keep an eye on the Philadelphia Union, Roger. Uh, they made the semifinals of the Concacaf Champions League, uh, taking out uh, Atlanta United. But their reward, a trip down to Mexico and uh, in Mexico City to play Club America, one of the biggest clubs in all of Mexico. <laughs> That's the prize. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the prize that you get for winning that game. But uh, I'll get yeah. catch up with. I'll catch up. Oh yeah, and they get to play that game in August. Oh, oh, oh nice oh, and warm. Oh, oh yeah, lots of luck. I'll catch up with you all next week. Have a good one.
Okay, Mike, Mike, Mike thank you very, very much. We touched on a little bit of everything. We touched on baseball, basketball, hockey. God, we got it all in soccer. And, of course, a big story over there in England, and the Glazers, of course, here uh, from Tampa. So it's uh, it's carrying over to the Tampa area as much as it is over in Europe with, with the soccer situation, a little bit of a turmoil. And, Roger, uh, you mentioned a little bit ago, and I have to agree with you before we get Doug Hamilton on uh, because of, Ravens have made some moves, and uh, we'll talk to him about that as well as golf. But uh, the Braves seem to they seem to be getting their footing. They they were really like the Yankees. They were just a disaster the first three four weeks. Well, they were, and and uh, on and uh, on the flip side, Don, the Phillies are screwed up. Okay, uh, they uh, their defense. They uh, they have some pitching. For instance, tonight uh, they were up one nothing, and Didi Gregorius uh, hit a grand slam. They're up five nothing, and they haven't done anything since. And uh, now the Bray or the uh, Brewers, I should say, uh, just got three at the uh, top of the fifth. We're in the bottom of the fifth, so now it's five four. And they were lucky to win last night. Uh, this uh, David Hale, uh, I do not understand how they keep him on the roster. Uh, because as soon as he comes in, you know they're going to lose the game or attempt to lose the game because he is totally incompetent. I know he played for for Joe uh, Girardi up at the, at the with the Yankees, but that doesn't mean five years ago that uh, he's good uh, five years later, and he has to go. They've got to uh, – uh, Drombowski's got to make moves if they expect to survive. Roger, it's interesting because the National League East right now, we've been talking about it since the first week of the season. Uh, Forgetting the fact that the Braves got off to such a disastrous start. But nobody, I mean, nobody has put together any kind of a a serious run to take over the division. They're all going back and forth. They win two, they lose two, they lose three, they lose one. Nobody's really making a move. Maybe the Braves, this is it. Maybe they're going to take over the thing and, and show that they are the best team in the, in the in the East. Oh, I think they will because they've got it all. I'll tell you what was interesting watching the uh, game tonight is the uh, the Nationals have uh, it has the W on the front of the cap, but it reminds me of the old Montreal Expos cap. Uh, remember right. blue brim and half red, half white on the uh, top, and that's what they're wearing tonight. Uh, well, I'll tell you, it, 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 the Mets, the Mets can't get out of their own way. Uh, they're they're really struggling, and uh, now when you get a chance to talk, I was hoping Ryan Bow was going to be on with us tonight because uh, you know Chili Davis was fired over the weekend, uh, along with his right. supporting cast. And they all went back to analytics, analytics, analytics. They said that Chili Davis would not be involved in analytics. He was going to do things his way. So they fired him, and they also fired his assistant hitting coach, brought in two new people who were much more involved with analytics. But yet uh, the Mets are a disaster, too. They they haven't done anything. Well, that's what they're saying about Joe, Don, that the problem is he's using uh, analytics too much instead of being a manager like he said he was going to be, you know, where yeah. you have a, a, a median, you know, happy medium. I don't know. I, I just don't. But they're a very frustrating team to watch, and, and as were the Braves. But now the Braves have hitters. 
you know, that, that hit in the clutch. And uh, when they get five runs on the board, you don't expect that to be the uh, uh, the end. They, they're going to uh, hit more and, and get more runs. The Phillies don't do that. No, no add-ons. No, not at all. Well, as I say, I did. Is Doug with us yet? I never showed up on the board. Oh, no. okay. No. All right. I, okay. Uh, well, we got whatever. I, I thought I thought the whole override was coming from Tommy, but Tommy's gone now, and it's it's all overriding again. I, it, I don't know what what we're doing here. It's got to be. Got to be. Sorry about that. Okay. Thank you. Got to be the line tonight. So, the um, I I thought Chris Wheeler might be with us tonight too. I guess you couldn't get him, huh? Yeah, he, Frank. Chris uh, couldn't get off. Chris had a uh, uh, some kind of a thing for the Phillies. He we had a luncheon, uh, golf match, and then a dinner. Uh, he was going to try and come, but he just uh, texted me that he couldn't. And there oh, was yeah, something well, he, wrong with just, with the board. Yeah. Uh, Doug was Doug was on waiting and. Uh, he it never showed up on the uh, board, and I can't get out of uh, to send a, a message out. So um, uh, I don't know what we're doing well, here tonight. You know, uh, let's, let me let me let me try to uh, see if I can get a three-way like we did. Bear with me, okay? Okay. You want his number? Yeah. Bear with me, and uh, let okay. me see. Um, but. Yeah, because uh, interesting that uh, the Ravens made a couple little, uh, couple little moves. In fact, they made one yesterday, and it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly uh, what's happening down there with the Ravens. More importantly, uh, the Wells Fargo tournament is this weekend, and uh, a lot of the okay, top twenty. Okay, we got Doug, uh, Don. Okay, we, go. we, we got, got him. Doug. There we go. Before we go to before we go to golf, Doug, what about the Ravens? They made a couple little moves again. Yeah, um, always trying to make improvements to the roster. I mean, they signed Bill Nueva to play right tackle, and you know, I think they had a it remains to be seen. But you know, they they made some solid draft picks. Um, you know, obviously some uh, fit the needs that they had. They've never done well with first round first round wide receivers but uh we'll, we'll see what this guy bateman uh has and uh the edge rusher they picked from penn state um is a freakish athlete but i, I don't think he statistically played pretty well last year i think he had zero sacks at penn state so um you know, that's questionable and, and a lot of the guys they picked after that that the I believe the third round guy they picked uh from from georgia the guard is pretty nasty i I like that pick. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, uh, Minazi we trust, and DeCosta, I think, is going to carry that same baton. So hopefully he uh, he found some gems there. But how about the uh, no-hitter today for the Orioles? You know, what, what's interesting is, um, you know, commuting from, from work uh, home, I listen to WTOP a lot, um, you know, and I watch a lot of, you know Fox News here, which is which is more Washington based, and suddenly, suddenly the uh, the D.C. area is somehow concerned about uh, John Means throwing a no hitter, and that that makes the news tonight. On any other night, the Baltimore Orioles don't, but tonight it does. So. <laughs> well, that, uh, they turned the corner, Doug. 
Well, they they, they want to be our city first state. <laughs> any any time that you pitch a no hitter, you're on top of the news of the day. I'll tell you that right now. Well, it's, yeah, especially in the liberal media. That's you know right. what I mean? You're right about that. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, John Means um, has pitched, you know, pretty well uh, all the way through um, the end of last season. Um, you know, he's one of the the bright spots. I know you guys have missed it. We're talking about um, you know some DC sports, but. Uh, you know, the Orioles are like 15 and 16, and I think that's, um, you know, they have more wins than the Nationals do. Um, so, again, you know, we're um, wet nurse to a, a news media that, that that's all, you know, obviously Washington-based, and that's all we hear about here. But, uh, you know, the Orioles are quietly having themselves, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll say a little better season than I think what people thought. I mean, obviously there's a lot of games to be played, but, you know, John Means is – established himself as, as uh, one of the better pitchers in the American League. I mean, his ERA, I think, is down to 1.37. And, you know, he uh, – I hate to say it, but he has to throw uh, pretty much a shutout for the Orioles to win the games that he starts. So, um, I mean, Trey Mancini's played very well this year. I think he's he's knocked in 25 runs already this year. So, um, you know, an incredible bright spot for him coming back from cancer. So, um, you know, there's there's some good things going on in Baltimore, you know. That's encouraging. That's the whole key. Cardinals are up right now, four to one over the Mets, and uh, they're in the fourth inning. Uh, the Cubs and Dodgers are tied two-two, and boy, if there's been a surprise in baseball in the West, it's the Dodgers. They got out to an unbelievable start, and now they can't get out of their own way. But uh, mm-hmm. interesting to see. Uh, Wells Fargo tournament is this weekend, Doug, and uh, interesting to see how far down Rory. McElroy has moved because he just hadn't been able to play golf worth a quarter over the last three or four months. And uh, so uh, it should be quite a tournament. The top yeah. 20 are going to, most of them are going to be there this weekend. I've never seen this year on a course, so I don't know much about it, but it should be a heck of a tournament. Is it, uh, is that Quail Hollow? Is that where they're playing? I'm not sure where they're playing. I, 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 Oh, I know it's in uh, it's in Charlotte. Uh, they've used Quail Hollow before in an event. I can't recall if that's uh, you know the same one. I, I had um, you know the opportunity. I don't know how many years ago this was to play some golf in the Charlotte area. That's a pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, I'll say town, town, but obviously it's bigger than that. But there's a nice vibe to Charlotte. Um, I think I played uh, TPC Piper's Glen. Um, there was a resort course I played called Valentine. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of fun to be had in, in, in Charlotte. Um, I think I think uh, Rick Flair lived on the 18th hole of TPC, and I think my buddy almost hit a ball in his, in his grill um, <laughs> a long time ago. But we, uh, we had a hell of a good time down there and played a lot of golf. And, um, you know, it's a pretty cool place. Well, that city's just but, booming, Doug. Yeah. You know, continuing to uh, to boom. Well, there's there's so they many. They want to get baseball there, Roger. That's well, right. I a, lot, lot, a lot of those cities, Roger, that are pretty cropped up down in the south here that are just, um, you know, Greenville, South Carolina is one that's got a pretty good vibe to it, a little younger um, kind of foodie area of um, of existence down there. I mean, the whole south, I mean, you know, in, in my time, in and around that uh, Atlanta suburb area. Um, there were so many, you know, really cool places uh, that I visited down through there. And, 
I mean, it's it's a no-brainer that the folks in the South are so much nicer than those of the North um, in terms of how they treat people and, you know, places you go. And I, for one, believe the food is, is better anyway because I'm a big fan of grits and, and Southern cooking home, <laughs> home style, you know. I don't know if you fellas had a chance to see the Yankee game last night on ESPN, but uh, Yankee fans have not forgotten the Astros. They're tied 3-3 right now in tonight's game, but uh, – Boy, oh boy, the signs at Yankee Stadium about the cheaters well, last night was unbelievable. <laughs> oh, that's New York. You know, uh, Don, if I if I could interject for just a minute, but I, I I've been watching these um, uh, wrestling um, biographies, if you will, that come on Sunday nights. Um, you know, the two weeks ago it was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, uh, last week was uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, and I think there was uh, I think this week was Randy Macho Man Savage. I, I just the correlation is you had mentioned cheaters, and and uh, you know the you know wrestling itself, um, you know obviously is an entertainment based um, you know scenario where um, so many of these guys get in, involved in wrestling and and uh, spend their life um, dedicating their bodies and their lives and oftentimes get into so many uh, issues with painkillers and, and just substance abuses. And it's been fun to watch um, these last three uh, chronicles of these guys that, you know, I grew up watching on, on wrestling that, um, you know, just had terrible times with their bodies and, and injuries and all these different things. And um, it's, they've been really good. They've been really good. Um, I think next week is Booker T. And I think there's about two more after that, um, you know, that I, I think are pretty cool for people to watch. They ought you to know, bring Doug, the band I, down I, from the uh, NFL draft. They ought to bring them down to introduce the show. Right. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> you know, Doug, I know uh, Don and uh, Frank uh, or would be aware of this, uh, but uh, you would be too young and you didn't live in the area. But uh, back in in the uh, uh, 60s, late 50s even, uh, Channel 3, uh, and, uh, and believe it or not, it's where the Mike Douglas show used to be broadcast from but they used mm-hmm. to have a wrestling show on saturdays mm-hmm. and uh they had it set up in in the basement studio mm-hmm. uh, on 1619 walnut and a buddy of mine and i used to go almost every week because you know all three and i'd have a ball and we saw this guy marvin mercer who was loaded with tattoos and then mm-hmm. we out on walnut street he didn't have a tattoo on him mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know and I, it was hilarious and I know Don, uh, Don, you was, and uh, Frank remember the old KYW uh, building at sixteen nineteen Walnut. Sure. sure, they had many. I, many I haven't seen there. I haven't seen any wrestling since Golden Superman. Oh no, <laughs> Angelo Samoli, Captain Al- Lou Albano. <laughs> there you go. Every Saturday, Lou. Every Saturday, Lou got his ass kicked, but he was there. Yeah. Seventy-three years old, and some thirty-year-old guys beating the hell out of him. <laughs> yeah, him and uh, him and Cindy Lauper, they were in uh, WrestleMania, I think. <laughs> well, yeah. that was yeah, that was that was that was uh, two weeks ago. They were talking about Rowdy Roddy Piper and how he uh, wrestled at WrestleMania, and, and uh, that was the big the big deal was that he uh, apparently quote unquote kicked Cindy Lauper, who was down, you know, and uh, Lou Albano was, you know, a part of all that kind of stuff, and. You know the 
Randy Macho Man Savage one was really interesting with um, his affliction. Um, he was married in real life to uh, his quote-unquote ring manager, Elizabeth, uh, but how possessive he was, and then they went their separate ways, and, um, you know, he wrestled, uh, then he jumped from WWE to uh, was the WCW or whatever, and Eric Bischoff and all those guys, and it's just, it's incredible the, the, the lives that these guys lived um, to do what they did in terms of, um, you know, like Lex Luger. When you, when you saw him, um, and he's an Atlanta-based guy, Roger, and, you know, he, he was enormous. I mean, he was a giant man, um, just ripped to shreds. And uh, they, they showed him giving, um, you know, some interview or something, and he was – if, if he was 140 pounds, he was lucky. So I, I don't know what, whether he got into an accident or what happened to him, but um, he, he was a shell of himself for sure. Well, there's a guy that lives uh, here and who I know, and uh, he does the stunts for WWE. Mm-hmm. Fly out when they're having WrestleMania or, you know, yeah. the big events. And then he sets up all the tricks on the uh, mats. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, he comes back, and he's got a uh, garage where he works on these uh, making up, you know, uh, special cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he's a stunt. He was a stunt dry, uh, stunt guy in uh, Hollywood for a number of years. I don't know. I don't think he does that because he got hurt many times. But mm-hmm. uh, he it was an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all those guys are man. It's crazy. Well, all he had to do was have him to, uh, put it all together. He, he's a wrestling man. He knows how to put together a show to sell tickets for right. me, I'll tell you. He is a, he is a, he's a demonstrator of himself. We're up against the clock here, Don. Okay, we've got to run. We've got to tick, tick, tick from Frank. So shows up. Uh, thank you very much uh, to all the guests tonight. We appreciate that. Sorry we didn't get Chris Wheeler. We'll get him in the future. And, uh, Doug, thank you very much. Continued success with the new club. Roger, thank you, thank and you. Tommy, of course, Tommy's at the press conference for the, the Lightning. Take care. Thanks for everything, Frank. Okay, take care, Take Roger. care, thank Frank. You. Okay, have a good weekend, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, men and women of police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please show them some respect. Please let them know you know they're there. These programs are dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Bainger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Lieutenant Mike Zerba, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Onofa Crispin, Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogel, Longwood Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Godwin, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Germain, Windermere, Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Connett, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Kyloff. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Delaware State Trooper Sergeant Rodney Bond. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. 
Lieutenant Jer- Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artith Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. FDLE Special Inspector Vinny Galaccio, Delaware State Trooper. Corporal Stephen Ballard. Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter. Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Clay Zerba, New Cal- I'm sorry, Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department. <clears throat> Deputy April Rodriguez, Pasco County Deputy Sheriff. Patrolman Robert, Jermaine, Robert McKetchen, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department. Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Sergeant Brian LeVake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. And Deputy Mike Malik, Kynellis uh, County Sheriff's Department. My brothers and sisters, you may be 10-7 at this point in time, and sometime we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rest out to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the hallow of his hands. Good night, God bless, and, and have a great Mother's Day. Shema Hezahilma Sona Shenevorat Fed Hakuig again, my Elma
County Dispatch in 1999. County Dispatch in 1999. County Dispatch in 1999. All units be advised, 1999s responded to this last emergency. May God rest his soul. Good night, Bob. We love you and we miss you.